So today we talk about my hope. Everybody say my hope. We all hope for something, don't we? We hope for, uh, some of us are hoping for snow. Some of us are hoping that we don't get any. And so you got those two hopes, right? Smack dab in the middle against each other, right? And so we've got some of us hope that for a better job, some of us hope for a pay raise, and then sometimes we get laid off. So we need to find something that we can hope for that's not so, how can I say it, easily changed. We have hope in our government. We thank God for a government where we still have our freedom. But how many of you know that uh, putting all your hope in the government is probably not too smart of a thing to do? I mean, after all, if they can't pay their bills, how are they going to help you with yours? And so all these things that we hope for, we, we, we have friends and family, and, and man, that's wonderful. But how many of you have ever had a friend let you down or a family member hurt you? And so it's, it's easy to lose hope if you're putting hope in the wrong thing. So what we need is we need something that's rock solid. I guess the question ought to be not what I'm hoping for, but what is my hope in? And when we put our hope in the right thing, then we won't be disappointed, will we? So look at Psalms 130 and verse 5. I wait patiently for the Lord. My soul expectantly waits, and in his word do I hope. The psalmist is saying, my hope is in his word. Now, he doesn't just tell us where his hope is at. He tells us how we ought to wait for hope. How many of you have ever been waiting for something and got a little impatient? And he says, I wait patiently. But he also says, I wait expectantly. In other words, I'm, I'm being patient. How many of you have ever had to wait for your spouse before you could... Bambi smiling. I guess she's had to wait for Marty a few times, huh? No. <laughs> but you, you wait out. So, you know, there was a, when, when we were traveling all the time, it was always, you know, because I was looking at the clock and I knew I had to be there and then I had to preach revival. And so it was like, baby, come on. And I, you know, I, I did what geese do. I honked for encouragement. And I found out that she, she, matter of fact, one time she stuck her head out the window and told, or out the door and told me, he said, the more you honk, the longer it takes. <laughs> Just, so try and wait patiently. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever found yourself at a place where all of a sudden you grew a little impatient with God? Where... You wanted God to do something, but God wasn't doing it fast enough to suit you. It wasn't happening quick enough. And so we began to get a little impatient with God. Let me say it to you this way. Patience, waiting patiently for God is really saying, God, I trust you. 
It's really making a statement that's saying, God, I know that your timing is best, and so I trust you. I may not understand you. I, you know, we've been married for 41 years, and uh, she still is a mystery to me. <laughs> so so, so we, we may not always understand each other, but we need to be able to trust, Right? And so when you're waiting patiently for God, you're saying, God, I trust you. And I wait patiently. But here's the other part of that, waiting patiently. It's also expectantly. How many of you wait with expectation? If you're waiting with expectation, you, it's like Christmas is coming. I'm waiting. <laughs> Going to be some good stuff. I'm wait- you know, as a kid, you couldn't wait for Christmas to get there, right? You, you waited expectantly. You, you, you were after something, and, and you were just trusting and, and, and waiting eagerly, expectantly, knowing that God had something good. So when we wait patiently on God, we're saying, God, I trust you. When we wait expectantly, we're saying, God, I know that whatever you have for me is going to be good. And it says, and then our hope is in his word. Everybody say his word. How many of you have ever had somebody promise you something that didn't come through with it? So if you put your hope in someone else's word, and I don't want you to misunderstand. I mean, I want you to, to be able to trust me. But if your hope is in me alone, then you're setting yourself up for a heartbreak. Our hope has got to be in God alone. The psalmist says this in 119 and 114. He says, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Think about this, my hiding place and my shield. How many of you, when you were kids, ever heard noises that made you afraid? And you, you, you would want to run and hide where? Mom and dad's room, usually. So, you know, I've, I've shared this with you before. I would, I, my dad would put me to bed. I remember as a little boy, him putting me to bed, and we didn't have a closet in my room. We had a 16-penny nail driven into the wall, and so my shirts were hanging on that nail. And I promise you, man, when he shut the lights out and they would leave, it wouldn't be long until a monster would show up in my room with a head hanging out of my shirts on the wall. Yeah, it was scary. And, and, and arms. And I'd, I'd, I'd get to looking at that and be squinting, you know, because it was at night and I'm... <laughs> Dad, Dad, and I'd start screaming, Dad, Dad, and Dad had come in, and that thing was so afraid of my father. Every time he stepped into the room and turned the light on, it left just like that. <laughs> left just like that. And so we have to, we, we, we have to be able to hide in him, to be able to count him as our shield and our protection. And how many of you know that there's not a devil in hell big enough to take on God? <laughs> 
And so when he's your shield and he's your protection, the Bible said that Michael, the archangel, didn't bring a railing accusation against Satan, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. And I'm telling you, there's something powerful when you have that type of hope in someone that you know will never leave you, will never forsake you, but will go with you to the ends of the earth so we can declare it loudly and we can wait expectantly. My hope is in your word. Listen to this. The psalmist says in 119 and 81, my soul fainteth for thy salvation. But I hope in thy word, my soul fainteth. Did you ever get so thirsty that you thought, man, if I don't get something to drink, I'm just going to pass that right out here. You longed for water. Your mouth felt like cotton, and you thought, if I could just get some water. You, you, you're so fainteth. It's longing for something. And sometimes in our lives, when things get so chaotic and seems like they're spinning out of control and we long to be saved, to be rescued. I don't know how many of you have ever or ever were rescued from something. Maybe you were in an accident and trapped in a car and someone came along and rescued you. Maybe you found yourself on the verge of losing everything and all of a sudden someone rescued you. You might have had a sickness or something debilitating and and, and you felt like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and, and then all of a sudden, someone was able to tell you what you need to do to get this corrected, and you felt rescued. And when you feel rescued, man, it brings such joy. And here he says, I'm, I'm longing for that rescue, for salvation, but I hope in your word. You have to understand when this is written. This is written, everybody say B.C. That does not mean before the common era. They changed it because they didn't want to mention Christ anymore. B.C., now they've changed it. You go into museums and now you see B.C.E. And they say it stands for before the common era. It used to be B.C. I know because I was in the museum and it meant before Christ. You, you listen, you can, you can doctor it, you can, you can try and manipulate it all you want to, but you're never going to do away with the hope that I have in Christ. And, and so he is my hope. My hope is in his word. And so this is written before Christ, before Jesus has come. And that you hear the psalmist saying, man, I'm longing. My soul faints for salvation, but my hope is in his word. Well, what did his word say? In Isaiah 7 and 14, his word declared, Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Everybody say, God with us. Well, what a crazy thing to put your hope in. A virgin having a baby 
Who's ever heard of anything like that? As a matter of fact, oh, that's so off the wall that I've discovered that mainstream denominations no longer believe in the virgin birth. But can I tell you, I don't care what they believe in. My hope isn't in them. My hope isn't in their doctrine. My hope is in Christ. A virgin. See, I guess along the way, they forgot that with God, all things are possible. <laughs> they, they forgot that God doesn't need our help to get it done. That God's able to do it all by himself, but it ought to bring you some hope that he decided to use us. And that ought to make you want to say, here I am, God. Use me. He said, a virgin shall conceive, have a child, and call his name God with us. Oh, we know God's over us, right? And we hope he's beside us and well we know he's around us but the idea that God could be with us in us you see Paul makes a statement he said if in this life only I have hope of Christ I'm of all men most miserable God with us look at 9 and 6 Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. No wonder the psalmist said, my hope is in your word. Because he understood that someone was coming that was going to remove the burden of sin that was going to rescue us. Now think about this. Because everything that we read today out of the Old Testament is a hope that is surrounded and built on God entering our world. God with us. Everything is hope for that. How, how can God be with us? Now, check this out. Psalms 107 and 20 said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Everybody see, say he sent his word. See, sometimes there are promises that seem so unbelievable that it's hard to wrap your mind around it he sent his word a virgin's going to have a baby call his name Emmanuel God with us the government will rest on a kid's shoulders he, he he's going to be the prince of peace the mighty God how is that possible with God all things are possible what about it I mean did did it ever happen well you have to fast forward. See, everybody, everybody was hoping for this. Everybody was longing for this. Longing for the word. Their hope was in the word. 400 years of hearing nothing from God. 400 years of silence. 400 years lost to obscurity. When all of a sudden, an angel shows up. 
an angel gets dispatched from heaven's throne room, makes an appearance to a little girl in an obscure village that seemingly is unimportant and isn't impressive in any way except in God's eyes. And this is what the angel said to her in Luke 1 and 30. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. This is what they've been waiting for. This is what they've been hoping for. And man, Mary's excited, but Mary's confused. And she said, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. <laughs> Mary didn't realize God had already taken care of it over in Isaiah. <laughs> that he'd already declared a word that a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child. Mary, Can you imagine the impact of all of a sudden reading your purpose in Scripture? And Mary realizes, wait, I'm, I'm that virgin. I'm, I'm who he was talking about. No wonder she says what she does in verse 38. She says, be it unto me according to your word, O Lord. I don't care what anybody else said. Oh, don't you know that that promise that was spoken to Mary brought her some pain? Oh, you need to hear me. You're not going to experience a promise without pain. But just remember this, neither did Jesus. And so the hope, you would, I mean, stop and think a moment. Don't you, you know, Mary's just been told that she's going to bring forth the Messiah. Thank you. Israel had been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years. And now Mary has news that in her lifetime, he's coming. And, and, and as people discovered it and found out, instead of praising God for it, they pointed a finger and denounced it. Hey, you... You, you're pregnant. <laughs> I haven't been with anyone. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you something. Because Mary doesn't understand how it's going to happen. An angel said, that's no problem with God. You see, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And then all of a sudden, you're going to find yourself expecting can I ask you a question? Have you ever had the Holy Spirit overshadow you and then came away expecting something? <laughs> oh, come on, wave your hand at me. If you, you know what I'm talking about. Everything that happens in the natural world has a spiritual correlation. So he said, you, do you understand that if God, that I've had God come over me and I walked around, man, feeling like I was nine months. But I was, I thought, I don't know what I'm carrying, but I know I'm carrying something. I, I don't know exactly what God's getting ready to birth in me, but whatever it is, I'm excited about it. I, I'm, I'm getting ready to see God. God work like he's never worked before. My hope is in his, oh, thank you, in his word. I wonder why it sets on so many shelves and gets so dusty. I wonder why sometimes we don't crack it open. But on special occasions, my hope 
is in his word. Now, if you come up to me and say, Pastor, I'm hopeless and you haven't been in here, then you really can't expect me to be able to deal with your hopelessness because hope comes from the word. No matter what your situation looks like, no matter how far removed you may feel you are from your answer, there is hope in his word. Now, I don't always understand it. I don't always understand what God's doing or how he's doing it or why he's doing it, but I trust him. I, I wait patiently for him. I, I wait eagerly for him. Man, Mary finds this out and she says, you know what? Bring it on down, God. Just be it unto me according to your word. How many of you today would raise your hand and say, God, just let it happen according to your word. I know you've got a plan for my life. I know my life has a purpose. And if my purpose is just to smile at someone and encourage them, then let me walk in it with joy and let me be the best smiler they've ever seen let 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 your word let your purpose work through me now they all said that their hope was in the word mary prays and says let it be according to your word now paul tells us and Romans 5 and 5 that hope maketh not ashamed. In other words, hope doesn't disappoint. Now, how many of you have ever been disappointed before? Right? We all have, right? We've been disappointed. How many of you ever got, you know, a Christmas gift and you were glad for the gift, but it's not really what you wanted? And so that's why we made our wish lists. That's why they used to have, not, you know, J.C. Penney's, you remember J.C. Penney catalog and the Sears catalog? Remember? Thank you. She's already circling stuff, man. And we'd, get, we'd go through that catalog. I don't think my mom and dad ever looked at that catalog because I don't think I ever got anything I circled. But man, what joy I had in circling. I circled the, the, the Western set. I, 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 I circled, man, I was going to be, well, it wasn't Hopalong Cassidy. I didn't even know who he was. But I knew who the Lone Ranger was. I, 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 you know, circling things. It's like Zorro with a zero. <laughs> and building my hope in that. But here's the thing. Everything I circled, I didn't get. I'm not sure I got anything I circled. But come Christmas morning, I was still happy. Now, now hear me, hear me. Because sometimes what you think and what you feel like you need isn't really what we need at all. How many of you ever felt like you needed a mansion? I know some folks that got one. I found out what they pay for taxes. I thank God I don't have one. <laughs> God, I don't want one. I, I, you know, I, I just felt like I, I just need. How many of you have ever felt like you needed ice skates? 
we were on the evangelistic field, man. They took us, I'm preaching in Wisconsin. They take us to the ice arena where the Olympians practice for the Olympics. Buddy, I am in there with skates on. I discovered something. I discovered just because I was in that place where the Olympians practice did not make me skate like an Olympian. <laughs> what was your hope, pastor, to get out of those skates before I broke my neck? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm on those skates and I thought, how hard can it be? I, I get to going. I, this is a true story. I get to going, man. I'm, oh, yeah. All of a sudden, a lady and her children are in front of me. I looked and I yelled, get out of the way. I don't know how to stop. I, I, I just need to see sometimes we get carried away with what we think we need. They get ready to take a picture of Debbie and I. They have, they have a wall that circles this arena that is made out of, what would you call it? Padded, a padded wall. You know what I'm talking about? You ever go into a place and there's a wall and it's about so thick and it's all interlinked. And, and, and so we're standing there next to, you know, I'm next to Debbie and all of a sudden she gets to feel like, is it Peggy Fleming, the great skater? She gets to feeling like Peggy Fleming. She th she's got her arm around my neck. She throws her foot up for me to hold. I'm on skates, folks. She threw that foot up for me to hold it. I'm going, what are you doing? What are you doing? Here's, here's it for a pose. I said, man, I can't hold you. I went down. She went on top of me. I hit the wall and like dominoes uh, all around that building, uh, that wall started coming down. And my kids just walked away and acted like they didn't even know who we were. Hope. Our hope needs to be in something Sturdy. <laughs> Needs to be in something steady, not in my skates. Isn't it odd? Put those skates on Scott Hamilton. And it changes everything. What I'm saying to you is this, is we're all not called to do the same thing. But we were all called by the same God. <laughs> and what he's called us to do He's going to enable us to do well. Everybody say, do it well. Seems impossible. A virgin having a child and, you know, I mean, and it's all, all of it is hung on hope in the word. Hope in the word. And wouldn't you know in St. John 1 and 14, it said, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. The Word became flesh. What they had been hoping for their entire life appeared in flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to consider this for a moment. I said this just a moment ago. Everyone in the Old Testament, everyone in up to Mary's time, everyone hung all their hope that Christ would come into our world. But what is our hope hung on? 
I mean, stop and think about it. Read Romans 8 and 24. For in this hope, we're saved by faith. But hope which is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait eagerly for it with patience and composure. Does that sound like that psalm? Waiting with patience, waiting eagerly with patience and composure? Who wrote that? Who wrote wrote Romans? Paul did. What's he saying? He's saying we were saved by our hope, by our faith. He said, but now what I'm hoping, if if I'm hoping for what I see, it's not hope. Christ had come. They saw him. But Paul talks about another hope that he has. See, they all hung their hope that Christ would enter their world. But now we hang our hope that one day we're going to enter his world. <laughs> oh, you didn't hear what. See, we, we, we hang on. Look, I'm not in any, in any hurry to leave. But everybody needs to hear what I'm going to say. We all leaving. <laughs> we're all leaving at some point. And when we leave, it ain't over. <laughs> When we leave, the best has just begun. That's why Paul is saying, I'm hanging my hope on what I haven't seen yet, and I'm waiting eagerly and with expectation and patience and composure. Because when I get to thinking about heaven, I told you about the guy that I was working with, and I started talking to him about Jesus, and he threw his hands up, and he said, don't come a step closer to me, Rick. Stop where you're at. I looked at him, I said, what's wrong with you? He said, every time you start talking about Jesus, you get this wild look on your face and your voice changes. <laughs> I can't help it. It's, it's that hope that I carry within me. It's that hope that just as one day he came into our world, I'm going to go into his world. <laughs> Now, hear me, hear me, because then two worlds are getting ready to collide. (laughs) John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Folks, I I, I want you to get this, because going to heaven isn't about sitting on a cloud and floating around all day playing a harp. We are going to rule and reign with Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? And just as they were patient, waiting for him to come into her world, we've got to be patient about entering into his world. But until that day comes... Well, let me just read about it. Until that day comes, look at Philippians 1 and 20. Paul writing again. It is my own eager expectation and hope that looking toward the future, I will not disgrace myself nor be ashamed in anything, but that with courage and the utmost freedom of speech, even now as always, Christ will be magnified and exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, man, I want to live. My hope is that I can live a life that brings him glory, that I can live a life that exalts him, 
that I, I, won't, I won't capitulate under the pressure. You think we're under pressure in our society? They were cutting their heads off. They were taking them and dipping them in wax and using them as candles. And Paul is facing all that. But Paul has a hope inside of him that's bigger than the world that's around him. And Paul's saying, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to capitulate, but I'm going to shine bright. I'm going to let my light shine until he comes. Don't anybody get excited in here today. I know it's Christmas time. Don't exalt your, I mean, don't exert yourselves. How many of you went shopping Friday? No wonder you're worn out. (laughs) Did you go? I went. I went right in there. Walked right out. (laughs) Why? Because I thought, man, it's a madhouse in here. What were they doing? They had hope of something. You went because you were hoping to get something, right? You did get it. Hang on to that. Can you imagine hoping for something and actually getting it? Isn't that what Mary's excited about? Be it unto me according to your word. I've been hoping my whole life that Messiah would come. I never dreamed he'd come through me. Hear me. There are people that are hoping and longing for something to change in their life. You, my friend, may very well be carrying the change they need. Would you stand with me today? So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. It's Christmas time, right? The holiday season. A lot of people get depressed at Christmas. Why? Because they feel like they have nothing to look forward to. No hope. I mean, hey, it's, all, it's great to get presents, right? We all enjoy doing that. I'm not going to lie, man. I like to get a present, but just in your own life, did you ever notice that about a week after Christmas is over, all those toys are in a closet someplace? <laughs> all the excitement seems to be wore off. But the gift I got back in 1973 still brings me joy today. It's not in a closet hiding someplace. Matter of fact, if anything, it's gotten bigger in me. It's gotten more real to me. What are you talking about? Do you ever get a present and you have to read the instructions before you can even enjoy it? It's like, man, I don't even know how this works. And if you're a guy like I am, who, who reads directions? You know, it's like you just jump in there. Oh, it can't be that hard. <laughs> and then after you frustrate yourself and wear yourself out trying to figure it out, you go back and look for the d- directions. <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just follow the directions? My hope is in his word. I've talked to people before 
about different aspects of their life, that they wanted their life to be blessed financially. And I talked to him about the hope that's in his word. Well, I can't afford to give. You can't afford not to. See, here's what you have to understand is God's not a respecter of person, but he is a respecter of principle. And if you won't follow the principle, if you won't follow the instruction, then you're not going to experience the promise. But how many of you know that it's so easy that a child can understand? My granddaughter, Vivian, looked at her Aunt Bethany and said, did you bring me a prize? Did you bring me a prize? And Bethany didn't have anything with her, so she said, well, I got in my purse and I handed her a $5 bill. Here you go. And, and, and Shaylee looked at it, or Shaylee, Vivian looked at it, and she goes, oh, oh, this ain't no prize. <laughs> because she didn't understand the value of it. See, that's really where we get bogged down. It's when we don't understand the value of his word in our life. When we, we don't, but once, once, I promise you, once that girl picks up on the value of that bill, she's going to say, have you got another one for me? Have you got more for me? Matter of fact, she, she did a broadcast over Thanksgiving and her prayer, in her prayer, when she was praying for us all, she was praying, Lord, give them good, give them good prizes, God. And give them good food and give them money in Jesus' name. <laughs> I pray her prayer comes true for all of us. Are you ready for God to use you? During this season, you're, you may be carrying someone's hope the same way that Mary was. It may be that in your smile, in your word, in a song you sing, in an act of kindness, you might just change someone's world. Here's the good news. It's when he changes your world, it's changed for an eternity. Are you ready for it? Listen, what Jeremiah says is God speaking his word. I know what my plans are, what my thoughts are towards you, what my plans are. They're plans of good and not of evil to give you hope, a future, and an expected end. What's he saying? He's saying, I got a purpose for you. I got a plan for your life. What do you say this holiday season? We just go ahead and unwrap it right now. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm not waiting until Christmas Day. I'm unwrapping it right now. Go ahead. Look at him. Say it. I'm, I'm going to unwrap it right now. They said, you, you, not going to you are not going to believe what he's got wrapped up for me. Just look at him and say that. You, you're not going to believe what he, you, you, you're not going to believe what he wrapped up for me. Your smile could change someone's day. You declaring his word and love could change someone's life forever. 
Come on, let's pray together right now as we raise our hands to him. Father, we love you. We magnify you and we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to speak hope. Thank you for the hope that we've experienced. That God, we've we felt our life transformed by it. And what we're praying today is that you'll use us as that conduit of hope that will transform other people's lives. God, you told us that we received freely, so we ought to give freely. The word that changed my life. Help me to share that with someone else so they can experience that life change as well. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise for it in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in this house today. Purpose in your mind that you're going to make somebody's Christmas a little bit more merry when you begin to explain the reason for the season and the joy of his word. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week.